I have an image for you to begin the message today, and if you can see that, it's a man standing on the cliff with a pretty sizable gap between the next cliff, and there is no bridge. How many times in your life will you get to this point, where you go as far as you can go, yet a giant gap exists between you and where you want to go? Now, in case you're an actual mountain climber, uh, and I think there's at least one rock climber in the house, um, let me clear this up. I'm not being literal. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is uh, symbolic. I'm painting a picture here of how many times will you get to that point in a relationship where a giant gap exists. A gap so wide that even as much of you as you've tried, it's just not possible to get to the other side. How many times have you come to that point? It could be in your marriage, it could be in a relationship uh, with your children, it could be with a neighbor, a friend, a relative, a co-worker, it could even be in that relationship you have with God, but you haven't been able to get to the other side. Something has happened that has caused the gap, it could have happened once, it could have happened, or it could be happening over and over and over again, and nothing seems to change, the gap is there. If you can relate to this, just let out a really big sigh. <laughs> That's what we do, isn't it, when we think about it? We just let out a big sigh, and then we kind of shake our head, and it's frustrating. But today I want to give you hope. I want to bring a word of hope to you. I want to encourage you that there is a way to bridge this gap. There is a way to get to the other side. And it is a way that uh, comes through, of course, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He can bridge the gap. And I just want to share with you that every Christian needs to know about the Ministry of Reconciliation. That's the title, the Ministry of Reconciliation, what that means. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Last week, if you're with us, we talked about heaven a lot. It was our heavenly home. If you missed that, check it out on our uh, Facebook uh, page or our YouTube channel or our website You can see that message on the heavenly home. That's verses 1 through 10 in chapter 5. Now we begin in verse 11. And we're going to be talking about the ministry of reconciliation as the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth. If you would like a free Bible, there are some in the chairs in front of you. There are some in the back. Um, But we're starting in verse 11, just the first um, part of the verse. Therefore, Paul writes, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Now, I must say that this comes on the heels of verse 10. Verse 10, we covered last week, when Paul wrote that, he writes that every believer, every Christian, will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat. And what that means is, is that we will be judged, not whether or not we're going to be in heaven with the Lord, this is for Christians in Christ, but we will be judged whether or not we receive a reward based on our works. We see this in 1 Corinthians 3. And I taught you that what it means here in this passage, in this chapter, is that the reward for doing good works is that we will see others in heaven. The work that we do is the work that Dave talked about. We go to the ends of the earth to share the gospel so that people can be reconciled to God. 
so that people can know Christ, that people can be forgiven. And that's what Paul's talking about here, is that, that in 1 Corinthians 3, he talks about heaven, how awesome it will be to see people that you were a part of bringing them into the kingdom. But there is another judgment that's spoken of in the Bible in Revelation at the, end of the, at the end of the book, it's the great white throne judgment. And that's for those that don't put their faith in Christ. They will spend eternity apart from God, which we often call hell. So a future judgment awaits us all, and that honestly should put a holy fear in us, which is what Paul's talking about here. You know the fear of the Lord, you should know the fear of the Lord. When you know the Lord, when you know who He is, you recognize that we should have a a holy fear. God is a loving Father. Everyone who reads the New Testament sees that clearly. But then some don't like to read the Old Testament. Because you realize that, oh, God is also a righteous judge, even though it's all throughout the New Testament. But we like to focus on the fact that God is love. Listen, as a parent, I'm a parent, many of you are parents. Do you not love your children? I'm a loving father, but I'm also their judge. Aren't we, parents? We get to be the judge, too. Now, we don't do it to, or we don't get excited about that because we want to condemn our own children. When they do wrong, we want to restore them. We want them to do what is right. I shepherd my children's hearts to fess up when they mess up, to seek the Lord, to live for God with purpose, to repent and receive forgiveness, to be holy as He is holy. Because I know they have to stand before the Lord someday and be judged, just like I do. When you know the one true God, the one that's in the Bible, not the one that people like to make up or we get from Hollywood or the one we like to put in a little box so that we can be in control, that's not the God of heaven. The God of heaven, the God, the one true God, the one who made us, Well, he's a holy God, and we should have a fear of him in in such that it's a respect, a reverence. We hold him in high regard. Does that make sense? That's who God is. And Paul says when you get that, when you know that, you persuade others. The ministry of reconciliation is not this like a one-time offer. You know, it's not something that we whisper to someone. Jesus? Like, maybe you want to be forgiven? No! Paul says you persuade them. You're not in this mindset that says, oh, I really don't want to bother you about this, but, you know, your eternal life depends on it. (laughs) Paul says, be as persuasive as a mattress salesman. You ever bought a mattress from a really good salesperson? I mean, I like really good salespeople. I did sales for a long time, and I took pride in being a good salesman. They don't take no for an answer. Lie down. Get comfy. Isn't it wonderful? Check out the, look how bouncy this mattress is. It's, you're going to sleep like a baby. Isn't it wonderful? Well, couldn't we say the same? Can't we say the same thing about Jesus? Yeah, I sleep wonderfully when I know my sins are forgiven. When I know who I am, a child of God, saved by the blood of Jesus, don't you? Yeah. The ministry of reconciliation is persuasive. 
Very persuasive. Verse 13, Paul says, if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. But if we are in our right mind, it's for you. What's he talking about? To be beside oneself. That's, that's uh, equivalent to displaying crazy, irrational behavior. On a personal note, I can relate because I am a basketball coach. If you've ever come to a game and watched me coach basketball, you will see me oftentimes beside myself. It's because of the zebras with the whistle. The referees. My friend Rob came out, watched the team for the first time. I always get my players excited. I always tell them, listen, somebody's here. They've never seen you play before. What kind of, you know, uh, what are they going to think about you after they leave? You know, I don't care what they think about me. What are they going to think about you? (laughs) And Rob said, I didn't really recognize Pastor Matt on the sideline. (laughs) And in so many words, it was, who is that lunatic? Look, I, I, I'm not really that bad, okay, I'll be honest. But I will say, before I started coaching, I had a full head of hair. I'm just saying. And unfortunately, I cannot say that I am beside myself for God, as Paul says here. Paul was all in for God. He would do anything for the gospel. He would do anything to persuade people to trust in Jesus. And Paul probably did crazy things. Spoke with so much passion that people thought, oh my gosh, this guy's crazy. He was, for Jesus. He loved Jesus. He wanted other people to know Jesus. He says in verse 14, the love of Christ controls us. Now another translation, a good word there would be compels us. uh, The love of Christ compels us, Paul says, because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, and all have died. Who is it that has died for all? Jesus. The love of Jesus that motivated Paul to do whatever necessary to win people to Christ. To know that Jesus died for us. That Jesus, when he went to the cross, took upon himself the wrath of God and atoned for our sins. He took your sin account and he emptied it. It all went on him. He is our forgiveness. Oh, the wonderful love of Jesus. Amen? Yeah. And that leads us to this beautiful verse. This is a verse I really hope you'll memorize. And if you can't memorize it, write it down on a 3x5 card and put it somewhere where you can meditate on it. It's a verse that many of you probably already know. It's a beautiful verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17. I've quoted it many times over the years in ministry because it's something that you need to remind yourself of because sometimes you don't feel forgiven. Sometimes you don't feel new. Sometimes you feel like this sin that keeps popping up in your life It keeps bringing you down, and you're just like, maybe I'm not forgiven. And you doubt sometimes you're forgiven. And then you come back to this verse, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's where your security is, folks. It's in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. There's so much beauty in that verse. So much to just think about. If I'm being honest, though, I've wrestled a little bit with this verse in the past because I've somewhat maybe misunderstood it when I was a younger Christian. I I understand that the old is referring to the sinful nature that we all have uh, because of Adam. It started with Adam and Eve and and, um, disobeying God. And so we inherit that sinful nature. We're born into this world, um, you know, 
prone to sin and, and it doesn't take long before we do it. And it, it says that it passes away, but yet we still sin, right? I mean, you're a Christian. I wish I could say, hey, isn't it great? You're a Christian. You'll never sin again. Boy, you know that's not true. You know what? I mean, we still mess up. So what's passed away? It's not the sinful nature in, in a sense of there's no more sin in our life. But the best way to explain it is through Paul's writing to the Romans, chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. You can read the whole chapter for yourself to get the bigger picture, but let me just read you these two verses. Paul writes, We know that our old self was crucified with Jesus in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. That's the key right there. We're no longer enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. That's what passes away. So now, when you're faced with temptation, which you will, God provides a way out. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, no temptation will overtake you. No temptation um, will bring you to a point where you can't take it anymore where you're tempted beyond your ability. But God provides a way of escape. He provides a way to endure it. That's the new to come. That when God puts the Holy Spirit in you, to dwell in you, that you now can resist temptation. And if that's sin calling, hang up. (laughs) The Holy Spirit says, hang up, don't answer it. He provides a way of escape, you see. You don't have to answer the phone. The strength to endure it, what sin has been entangling you recently? What sin has been tempting you? And you've been thinking about it. Or maybe you've crossed the line and you're pulling back. I'm telling you that the only way you can find freedom is in Christ. Paul writes to the Galatians in chapter 5. There's so many beautiful um, things in chapter 5. I'll just read a few to you. For freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm then, and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. Verse 16, but I say walk by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ crucify the flesh with its passions and its desires. And this is a daily battle, isn't it? Every day we have to crucify those sins that pop up in our life, those temptations that come about in our life, those desires. And we walk in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Keep up. Remember when you were a little kid and your parents were walking ahead of you and they looked back and they said, what do you, come on, let's go, keep up. You know, but your little feet were so tiny, right? You're just trying. Well, the Holy Spirit says, keep up. And you will not fall into those temptations. So Paul reminds the Corinthian church, you are in Christ, you have victory, you are a new creation, and that means you have new power. Verse 18 and 19. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and he gave us this ministry of reconciliation. What is that? In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting trespasses against us. 
entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. Paul uses this word a lot um, in his letters, about eight times. And it's a way of describing the relationship that we have with God, in this case here, in that reconciliation was a common word, by the way, that they used in other, in other ways. And it meant that you have two parties that are enemies. Enemies. And reconciliation finds a way to unite them. That's what reconciliation is. Two parties, enemies. But reconciliation brings them together. You see, when we sin, that separates us from a holy God. God is holy, perfect. And we are sinners, we're not. So that's a separation. And that makes us an enemy with God. But through Christ, Paul says, you are reconciled to Him. No longer does God count your sin against you. Psalm 32.2 says, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Blessed. You are blessed when God no longer counts it against you. All of it. Some Christians struggle, though, with this truth. Because they believe that, well, God will forgive me for like 99% of the stuff I've done. It's that 1%, though, right? Some of us have that 1%. We think God is still counting it against us. There, there's that one or two sins that I've done, and I don't think God can forgive me of it. And the real, I think the reason is, is because you won't forgive yourself. But you've got to know who God is. He's so much bigger than that. If one sin remains, then the bridge isn't complete. If one sin remains, the shackles are still on. Friends, Jesus died for all your sins. All of them. So you can spend eternity with Him. And you don't have to live with guilt and shame. A little illustration to help us. That bridges the gap. The shackles are left behind. The chains are gone. We're no longer slaves to that sin. Walk across the bridge. It's complete. Every sin has been forgiven. That's reconciliation. You're no longer an enemy. You're a child of God. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. But there are some sins I know that are hard to overcome. Are hard to, in our mind, overcome. Even forgive ourselves. The third Sunday of January has been dedicated um, as, the sanct- as a, a Sanctity of Life Sunday. Sanctity of Life is the day that um, we bring awareness to the tragedy of abortion. Now this church does a lot in regards to bringing awareness to it. Every August, we partner with Love Life. We do a Saturday prayer walk. Um, We walk down to an abortion clinic at 8 in Gratiot. We pray there. Those are um, people that, uh, ladies that have come to the point of making that decision, praying that they will change their mind. Throughout the year, we have Embrace Grace Ministries that walks alongside pregnant moms and cares for them and helps them and meets the needs that they have. Many of you individually stand for the rights of children in the womb all the time. But there's something that we sometimes don't do in the church. And the thing that we sometimes don't do and we sometimes forget about, we, we get so um, excited uh, about... Um, you know, prayer walks and, and, and all, all those things. But sometimes we don't just pray for those that already had an abortion. 
or were already part of it and may still feel guilt and shame. And so I just want you to know today that if that's where you're at, God can forgive you. He has forgiven you. He can take away that shame. And I just want to uh, take a moment and pray because God is reconciling you. He wants to be reconciled to you. So if there's some guilt there, this is where you put it down at the foot of the cross. And you say, thank you, Jesus. I know you died for me. So let me just take a moment and pray. Father, if there's someone here, if there's more than one here that have been a part of an abortion, Father, may they know that you love them and that they don't have to hold on to the guilt, the shame. May they know within, through your Holy Spirit, that they can have peace and that they are truly forgiven of everything. God, I thank you for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So not only does God reconcile us through Jesus, he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. And I think this works in at least two ways. One is, is that you can help others be reconciled to God. The ministry of reconciliation is not that just you can be reconciled with God, but that you can help others be reconciled with God. Um, verse 20, he says, we are, I know a lot of us love this verse, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. Wouldn't it be cool to be an ambassador? Just the name sounds cool, doesn't it? We're ambassadors for Christ. Well, you are. God makes his appeal through you. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Christians have this great privilege and responsibility to help others be reconciled to God. I mean, if you think about what an ambassador does, they go to a foreign country. They represent a particular country in a foreign country. And isn't that what we do as Christians? Our citizenship is not here on earth. It's in heaven. And we are here now as ambassadors representing the kingdom and encouraging others to be reconciled to God so that they too can be in heaven someday. We are ambassadors. Be reconciled to God. Be restored to God. Be renewed to God. Cross the bridge. A couple more images for you to check out that illustrate what Jesus has done for us. He bridges the gap. The cross allows us to spend eternity in heaven. The ministry of reconciliation, helping others cross the bridge. And then, secondly, we, um, we can reconcile our own broken relationships, not just with God, but with others. I told you Paul used this word eight times in his letters it's mostly about our relationship with God and reconciling that. But there's one time in 1 Corinthians that he uses it to talk about a married couple that had been separated. And sometimes when a married couple gets separated, it's obviously because there's a problem or multiple problems. And sometimes they can feel like they're enemies. And there is a possibility, this, this gap, that, that, and oftentimes with a marriage, the bridge, there is no bridge that can be built. The gap is too big. And the evil one would love you to think that, that there's no way that you can be reconciled again. It's just not possible. But this is what Jesus does. He bridges the gap. He reconciles. And so there is hope 
I believe, because, verse 21, for our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so we might become the righteousness of God. And when we understand that we are righteous because of Jesus, it should cause us to want to fix and, and heal the relationships that we have with others. It may not always feel like you're righteous, but you have to believe that you are. There's times in my own personal life, I don't know if you can relate, but sometimes when those past sins come to the forefront of our mind. And you beat yourself up, stinking thinking, right? And, and it's coming there, and it's there, and it's like, man, I don't want to think about this. And it's hard to get out of it. But I'm telling you, don't dwell on it. it it's, a, it's a mindset that says, I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm going to dwell on who I am in Christ. And we come back to that verse. Who are you, are, who are you in Christ? You are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. So you dwell on that. You're a new creation. God has made you righteous. And so whatever guilt that, that comes up or you're, you're holding on to, I, I put it at the foot of the cross. Just hand it over. Just like we did in prayer this morning. You confess your sin. You're specific about it. And you hand it over to Jesus. And you say, please forgive me. And you do it over and over if you have to. Please forgive me. And Jesus hugs you and says, I love you. You're forgiven. That's reconciliation. And you don't stop there. You, you owe someone an apology. You're at odds with someone. You, you're holding a grudge. You're feeling bitter. You've got some kind of broken relationship. God is saying, seek reconciliation. Seek reconciliation. And persuade others to be reconciled to God. This is the ministry of reconciliation. This is what we have as Christians. We're ambassadors for Christ. It's a, it's a wonderful ministry. And we all should be thinking about how we can, can be active in it. Amen? As we sing our final song, as we think about the ministry of reconciliation, as you might be thinking about someone that you would like to be reconciled with, or maybe it's God that you need reconciliation with, this is the time to pray and to ask God to help. Again, the gap might be so big right now between you and that other person or between you and God, but I'm telling you, there is no gap too big that Jesus can't help you bridge. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love through your Son, Jesus Christ, and how he offered his life on the cross. He shed His blood and that's the only way that we can be forgiven. And because of that, we are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Father, help us to walk with You each day in the Spirit. To know 100% forgiveness. We love you, Lord. We need you. Father, I pray that your people here will, will be reconciled to you, but also to one another. That we won't just have a saying 
that we love one another here, but that we will actually do it. And we will go out into the world and we will love others as you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.